Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I am Evan Ross Katz. And it is Halloween in July. We have gone straight (laughs) from the kids going to summer camp to October 31st. Something about this episode felt like it was intended to come later because also like, yeah, Rock is now back from summer camp and then we're in Halloween we don't get a single reference to Brady's breakup. Mm. Steve is nowhere to be seen. There's just something about the timeline. And then also last episode we had, you know, Charlotte met up with Victor Garber at that dinner and it seemed like we were going to ignite the Charlotte goes back to work plot line, but that is seeming to be next episode. So I am just curious, like this one seems like it was inserted. It's very standalone. Mm hmm. Maybe they were riding the high of last week and everybody being like, Sex in the City is back. And they were like, okay, let's push the Halloween episode forward. Yeah, yeah. But let's then what does that mean for episode wave. six? <laughs> it's not going to be good. It's going to be bad news. Oh, no. <laughs> but I really enjoyed this episode. This is, of course, we're talking episode five of, and just like that, called Trick or Treat. Yeah, and, you know, again, it's hard to get the overall consensus of how people feel about the show because it it elicits such a vast range of emotions. But from what I'm seeing, and this is, you know, solely in the comment section of my uh, meme cap, which by the way, how do we feel about that term? I'm trying it on for size and I'm kind of liking it. (laughs) What you call it? Meme cap. Like instead of a recap, a meme cap. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Okay, it doesn't sound (laughs) that sticky. I think it it works better in written form. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, probably does. I <laughs> You're like, probably. Um, <laughs> but what I'm seeing from people is a similar sentiment to that, to last week, which is this feels more akin to Sex and the City, um, which I agree with. And I think people are settling into what this show is a bit more. I think that a lot of season one for people was making this comparison to Sex and the City and Sex and the City, it was not and is not. And as a result, I think people had a really hard time, you know, reconciling this thing that was meant to be a new chapter of a thing they loved was in fact maybe like a different book altogether. I feel like with season two and now being five episodes in, the audience I'm sensing seems more settled into what the show wants to be. And I think the show too, in response to that audience feeling like this was a little too different than the thing they loved, is giving us you know, more of that Sex in the City vibe. Now we'll get into it, but I do feel like in some ways there we are like falling back on plot lines from Sex in the City with just like a rework. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that specifically felt, it uh, was in the case of Seema uh, with the penis pump plot line, that felt very much like an anagram of some Samantha plot lines that we saw throughout the original show. At the same time though, like it was entertaining. So... I don't hate that. Yeah. Was it? I enjoyed the plot line in theory, but I do feel like, especially coming off of last week, they're sort of like, 
in response to people's feeling like there's a, was a lack of sex on season one, they're kind of like going so hard into sex. You know, obviously we got the big jizz plot line last episode. Yeah. We got the threesome last episode. Now we're getting the penis pump. Um, the pendulum has swung in the has, other direction. Yeah, certainly. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think I enjoyed, uh, of the SEMA plots we've been given, this was definitely a more entertaining okay. plot. Yeah. I mean, like, it was quite self-contained. I have to say, Carrie was a shining star in this episode for me. I really, really loved this story. And I have only seen a handful of Sex and the City episodes, but it felt very Sex and the City, where she's, you know, runs into a guy, in this case, quite literally, has this sort of infatuation with him, which then she gets turned off by like, not that big of an issue, but she just gets turned off and she's like, well, forget this guy. I'm moving on with my life. And, you know, I could watch episode six and I'd never know this guy existed and it wouldn't matter. But I had fun with him while he was here. Yeah. And he was hot. Yeah. I feel like I've often felt this way about men on the show. Like, you know, even thinking about like Mr. Big, like I never understood the appeal of Mr. Big, like physically, I feel like he was very much like a straight woman's of a certain era ideal. Like, whereas Aiden, uh, more complicated. Um, but in the case of this guy, I'm like, this is, uh, this guy's absolutely bangable. And though I found the, the podcast producer guy of episodes one and two, I thought he was good looking, but I thought he was forgettable. Whereas this guy to me, like, I will remember him. And I liked the, um, he felt like a tree trunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was big. Like it just, yeah, there was like a lot of man. I felt like Sarah Jessica Parker's comedy was so tight in this episode. Everything was so good and we'll get into it, but I was just like really laughing. Like I was, I wasn't thinking about it. I was laughing. Yes, I completely agree. It's, I mean, we've said this before, but it always bears repeating. Like Sarah Jessica Parker is so underrated on this show for her breadth of abilities as Carrie, I feel like there was a, a somewhat viral tweet going around being like, Sex in the City should have been centered around Samantha. And it's like, I know it's just a, it's like a semi-viral tweet, who cares? But like, it like <laughs> enrages me because I'm like, no, it shouldn't. Like, you love Samantha because she is a side character. Yeah. The show, like, Carrie is the fulcrum. You need the fulcrum. I also feel like people don't give Carrie enough credit because they tend to remember an episode or two where she did something where she was a bad friend or dumped a guy for no good reason and sort of say like, that that's the problem with Carrie. And it's like, they forget about this Carrie that we see in this episode, which is a familiar Carrie that we see throughout Sex and the City. Carrie, you know, having a man of the week, having some fun, not taking herself too seriously and giving us that signature SJP weirdness, which I think came through in obviously when she's trying to find her way out of that apartment, which we'll get into the the, the location uh, scout who found whatever that was, but particularly in in the bike lane scene when she's you know talking about the the what is it not one medical the oh urgent care on 14th Street and that Olsen line and the way that S J gesticulates with her hands, it's just um, there's no one in her league. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun to watch. Let's start at the beginning here where we have Miranda being in pretty good spirits, despite the fact that 
you know, she has a miserable son. Her husband's like, doesn't seem to be around at his house. And uh, she's getting ready to go to this charity Halloween party. Yeah. And, and what I'm wondering about is if the, 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 the whole idea here is that like, Miranda's back, but she's stuck. Right. Like, yeah. and so what I'm wondering is like, you almost want there to be like a new woman that's staying at the house with Steve to make Miranda feel extra unwelcome. Mm. And we kind of got a little bit of that in the last episode because it's like there's all this noise happening because Steve's hitting what is that thing called? He was like a little it's like a speed bag. It's yeah, it's not a boxing. It's a speed bag. bag. It just came to me because and I only know that because every podcast recap was like, oh yeah, speed bag. And I was like, I've never heard of a speed bag. (laughs) Um so there's like the noise of that, and then also Brady in that episode was like coming right out of the breakup and was particularly angsty. But yeah, like now she's like carving up a pumpkin and like seems pretty content. So then when they cut to the fact of like, she's saying, I'm so tired. I I need to get out of this place. And sort of like, you seemed perfectly fine at the top of the episode, but, but Hey, it's Miranda. So where she goes, I, go. I think she wears a mask sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. I think like I think when we she all went wear into, masks. we all wear masks, we all wear masks and not just at the, uh, not just because it's the Met Gala theme. something veiled beauty beauty. (laughs) but sometimes we wear them in life and i think we saw that when she walked into the bathroom last episode and looked at herself and went oh fuck you know sometimes it drops but usually she's wearing that mask i think totally she's a people pleaser she is a people pleaser which is a little bit incongruous well no i was gonna say incongruous to the miranda we know but i'm kind of thinking back upon Sex and the City plot lines when she was sort of having her issues at her law firm, which was very much a boys club. And yeah, there is a part of Miranda. I wouldn't identify her as a people pleaser, but I would identify her more as sort of like someone that doesn't want to rock the boat. Yeah, I think she wants to keep things comfortable. Yes, for everybody. the status quo. Yes. So she meets up with Carrie to go to this charity event. I don't know what this charity is for. Is it for the school? I'm not sure. <laughs> Much to touch down on with this event. Now, you might not know this, but fans of Sex and the City will recognize a little bit of an Easter egg as they're walking through the park. There's a man dressed as a hot dog, and Miranda and Carrie are walking by him. I think that is a nod to a very famous plot line on Sex and the City when Miranda... <laughs> it's like just talking about this makes me so nostalgic, but Miranda is walking by. It's like a... It's not a subway. It's, I don't know. And there's a guy dressed as a sandwich and Miranda cannot see his face and falls in brief love with him. Um, And there's the famous line that Carrie voiceovers where she says she was a lawyer and he was a sandwich. And so I think this was a nod to that moment. Wow. Didn't know. Didn't know she fell in love with the sandwich. Briefly. Well, she didn't fall in love with the hot dog. No, no, she walked right by. But she's gay now. <laughs> she's she is. Gay. She's in limbo. So so they go to this charity event. Let's talk about the costumes. Yeah, I feel like the Americans joke that we were trying on with Harry and Charlotte wow. was like so specific. So um, specific. Like, is there an inside thing there that I'm not aware of? Like, was Charlotte on the Americans? Because then they're watching it later. Yeah. And like, they're not only watching it, we're getting footage of the show and they're talking about how great it is. It's almost a little promo for the show. But it's funny because it's not a, a HBO or but, a Mac show. And also, is it even still on? 
No. And then on top of that, like, I don't think it's like a canon show because there no, are plenty of shows not. that we don't watch, but we could like understand why they would be referencing it because it like permeated the culture in some way. I just thought it was like an oddly specific reference that they like really, they kept going down on it. Cause it's like, obviously the Harry plot with the wig carried over yeah. to Charlotte's B plot later in the episode. Thought that was strange. The Helen Gurley Brown, fine. I'll take it. I would have, I mean, I think we could have gotten a different reference, like something with a little bit more visual uh, nostalgia to it, but fine. And then Miranda with the clown nose, I guess. Yeah. But like, yeah. Can we touch down on the guests at this party? Because if I were someone, I I don't even know, the director, the extra casting person, this is such an interesting task, right? Because you're trying to show these are women in their 50s that are going to a charity event. And what does that look like, right? Are they the oldest people in the room? Are they amongst all peers? Are they the youngest? Is it an amalgamation of all of that? And I just feel like this party, like, it didn't seem fun or cool. And I think that, like, it could have. Like, I just feel like this felt like they felt, well, I, I guess besides the sauna dude, um, it felt like a, a much older crowd. Did you This is feel the thing. Way? And I felt like when we saw Lisa Todd Wexley, I got that right this time? You got it right. I felt like when we saw her dancing and she looked great, which like appropriate because she has money to spend on a costume as the bride of Frankenstein. I felt like when she was dancing, it seemed to me like she was performing fun as opposed to having fun. And I don't know if that was the acting or like that was the character at the charity event. It's Mm -hmm. hard to tell with Lisa. Yeah. But but this was a fun excuse to get everyone in a room together and in terms of logic it made sense that everyone would be here sure what about carrie eating a candy apple on the dance floor memorable because (laughs) there is maybe no food that could be worse to eat on a dance floor yeah i mean not something that's like except like maybe a pad thai or something well yeah (laughs) how do you get pad thai Strange, but deeply Carrie. I feel like some of my, like, I I think what a lot of people love most about Carrie is that the oddball nature. I mean, I think about, there's a famous episode in season three, Hot Child in the City, uh, and she's wearing this, I think it's a Versace top. I could be wrong. But anyway, but she turns it around. She wears it backwards. And like, that to me is just so Carrie, where it's like, she takes this thing and she chooses like the odd way to do it. And Candy Apple on the dance floor incredibly carry even thinking about the the pigeon purse from several episodes ago just like incredibly carry and then when she goes and puts it on her head that's so carry like yeah. i i like when <laughs> sj slash carry like just make odd decisions that don't need logic which is so funny because you and i were just talking uh we just taped an episode of shut up evan where we're like talking about like all these shows that like sort of like lack logic and how it's like so easy to pick apart. But like when Carrie does something strange, um, like stay in the crosswalk uh, to help that man, despite, you know, well, you'd think they'd be like, yeah, let's get the crosswalk. For some reason it's like on, and just like that, I, it always gets a pass for me. But it's ingrained in the character. The character is strange. She is. Yes. Is a little strange, right? Yes. Yes. Candy Apple on a dance floor could be the name of a new Ava Max song. Totally. That could be, you know how Kim Petras always does like the Halloween stuff. Uh-huh. 
even Max could do a Halloween candy apple on a dance floor. Totally. Gotta ask that. though, too, timeline-wise, we have Miranda and Carrie walking through the park in broad daylight. Oh my god, this is something I've been meaning to bring up since episode one. The timelines on this show are wild. Yeah. Like, I can't keep track of where we are because, yes, okay, sure, we've got people walking around in daylight. Suddenly they're at this event at night. That's fine. That, that at least I understand what day it is. Then all the girlies are together and they're like, well, what, what, where can we meet men? I mean, they're at a party, but okay, maybe they're all the men are taken here. The best place to meet men, that's a hotel, a five star hotel bar. Okay. I don't know about logic. that. <laughs> understand the logic, but okay. And then the next scene is like everybody at night at home. And so in my head, I'm yeah. like, oh, that's that they've gone home. They've taken off their costumes. But no, that's not the case. Charlotte's at home watching the Americans and like, oh, she was in the mood. She like right. took off her costume. She's watching the Americans. No, then we cut to the hotel bar. And I'm like, wait, did they go from the party to the hotel bar? No, it's a different night. Right. And then also we get we cut to Lisa Todd Wexley's whose husband has put on another put on costume. He, yeah. Yeah. After the party. Yeah. I, that was. Yeah. So that's that's what led me to believe. So that's the thing. They're in bed together. She's looking incredible as if she was never dressed as Bride of Frankenstein. He comes in in the George Washington costume. So then I'm like, OK, it's after the Halloween party. Yeah, she looks she doesn't look like she's been wearing a costume all night, but I, I can forgive that. Then we get the Americans content, but no, then, then the other girls are at the hotel bar and they're in completely different hair, makeup, clothes. And so it's, it's clearly another night. And I'm like, it just feels so stilted sometimes the transition of time on this show. I mean, forget like, let's, let's like zoom out a little bit and remember what I just said at the top of this episode that we went from summer camp to Halloween. Yeah. That's on the broader level. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it definitely, uh, logic is not necessarily <laughs> the show's forte. I mean, even thinking, just keeping on the discussion of timelines, you have this opening scene where Miranda's like getting up at the crack of dawn to go home, and then it cuts to this bright morning outside the apartment, and I'm like, wait, how, so between dawn and when she arrives back in Brooklyn, the sun is fully shining, and then it cuts to inside, and it's a whole different day, and she's cutting a pumpkin in a cheery mood, <laughs> having just watched a scene in which she's up at the crack of dawn being like, I hate having to commute all the way home to Brooklyn. Yeah. I also just got to say the Hudson Yards commute to Brooklyn, not that difficult. There's the seven train right there. I mean, it's not, yeah, not close in proximity, but. You don't know what kind of delays she had. I mean, it was pitch black when she got on that subway and it was bright out. Like maybe she had an hour and a half delay. I just feel like she treats Brady like he's a child. Like he's what, a junior or a senior? At this point, yeah, it's the new like school year. 18 years old. Yeah. So, like, I understand the desire to be there for your child when they wake up. But, like, Miranda, remember, like, when you were in Los Angeles with no plan <laughs> to return home and, like, literally, like, yeah abandon your child entirely i feel like you being in the same city uh is an upgrade regardless of if you wake up in the same house but that's just me okay what about at the hotel bar where naya and seema both meet people good for them carrie's left alone and her immediate reaction we've all been there we've all been you know our friends uh, sort of like pair off and 
You're left alone for a moment in a public place. It's a little embarrassing. What do you do? You turn to your phone. That's a very easy thing to do. Now, this is the second instance this season we've had of Carrie playing Wordle in the year of our Lord 2023. Fill me in. I don't know about Wordle. So is Wordle... That's passe. Is is it words with friends? It's is so now passe, or is it like that was all okay? So no, we're just it, not. So doing... it was like it was sort of like like what words with friends was in 2012 or whenever that was very popular. Mm-hmm. Wordle became in 2021, I think, was when Wordle popped up or like it got really big. Maybe like Christmas 2021 around that time period, and people were really playing it, but it fell off fast. It fell off like within the span of a few months. So in that sense, it makes a lot of sense that Carrie would be. I feel like there's something very Carrie to like get in on a trend. Hang on to three that. Year, yeah. No, but no, I feel like Carrie would get in on it after the fact. Oh, oh, you think she just discovered it? Yeah, it's like Anthony makes that comment about like Carrie's ahead of the curve. Or, like that's she's. It's not like her to get COVID when it's done. And I'm like, no, I think it's yeah. very Carrie to right. get COVID after the fact. I gotta say though, this is the third instance. Uh, so we have all of this, like Naya's like, I need to meet a man. This is the third instance of Naya being approached with a man like heavily flirting with her. We got Toussaint in the restaurant who just uh-huh. came up to her out of nowhere. She's doing the documentary and the sound yeah. guy comes over and he's flirting with her. And now she's at a bar and this guy just across the room comes on over, which is fine. But she's making the complaint earlier in the episode where she's like, it's just, where do I go to meet a man? And it's like, <laughs> first of all, you just got out of a multi-decade marriage, which we're barely dealing with. Um, but like, you have had no difficulty getting men to literally walk across the room out of nowhere, come over to you and offer to buy you a drink. So I feel like I would like it to be a little bit more of a challenge just because, I, I don't know, I, may, hey, maybe these bars exist and I just have never gone to them. Um, but I think there are funnier ways to have men, a la what happens with Carrie, like the bike incident. I feel like there are funnier ways for men to come up because we got that whole strange interaction with Seema and the penis pump dude where yeah. he's like, I was told they have this gin here. Will you try asking for it? What was that about? Well, it's because he owned the gin company and oh. they weren't carrying the gin. So he wanted it to seem like people were asking for the gin so they'd start stalking it. Okay, got it. This is like the second Did instance you watch of me being. This episode? I, there were a couple times I. This is the first time you're not watching it like four times. It's true. Wait, can I just say? So last night I got home. I went on a trip yesterday and I got home last night. Billy was not yet home. He too was on a trip. And so I texted him. I was like, do you want me to wait? And he's like, no, you can watch it. Cause obviously we'll, I'll be rewatching it. So we can re- you know, watch it together. It was my first time watching it in real time with everyone. And what a joy it was immediately after the episode to be able to go online and be like, here's what everyone's saying. It really right. was like, it changed the viewing experience. Yeah. I feel like they don't care about Naya that much. The writers, because it's like, Yes, she gets out of this huge relationship. And every time, we've had two times, like you said, or, well, one time post-relationship post uh, during the documentary that someone really cute is hitting on her and it seems to be going great. Zero follow-up. We don't know if she like texted him and he ghosted her. We don't know if they had a date and it didn't work out. We don't know. And now she's complaining about meeting guys. Here's another really hot guy coming up to her in a bar. They have sex. We don't see any of it. Like, we get so much with Seema and the penis pump. We don't see anything about Naya's sex life. We don't know if she wants to see this guy again or if this was a one-night thing. Like, I feel like they just kind of don't care about her. And wasn't this her first 
post-marriage sex, like that is a big deal. In theory, she like, is- As far as we know, there's been like nine months since her marriage. Could have had yeah, hard to say, but I think from, from what, from everything that we know, I yeah. believe this is her first time in bed with another man since the dissolution of her marriage. That's like, that's a great storyline to explore. Having to like- To be like, oh my God, oh wait, am I, am I bad and bad? Yeah, like why there's is this so weird? much why, comedy. Why is this not yeah. sexy? Yeah. Yes. Totally. So like that was a, a missed opportunity for sure. I, yeah, I, I agree with you though, that I, I don't think the show quite knows what to do with Naya. And it's funny because there was that moment at the lunch, I think several episodes ago, where Naya was like, can't we talk about anything besides men? And she like lists all of these things. And then the joke is that she gets the text from the sound guy and she's like ooh but but there was a truth to that what she was saying at first and it's funny because it's like everything we get of Naya is all about her and men either her and her marriage or her trying to you know get back in the dating pool so it would be interesting to to have Naya explore her interests beyond men yeah should we talk about this SEMA plot yeah. Okay. The penis bump comes out. So this guy goes home with Seema. They're rolling around in bed. And he says, hey, I just have to let you know, I struggle with erectile dysfunction. And she's like, okay. And he's like, great. Because, you know, sometimes people like freak out when I do this. And, and she doesn't know what's coming. And he's got this sort of like very fancy looking case it's like almost a guitar case for a penis bump he's got a case he pulls out this penis bump he starts pumping and at first i think she's a little like thrown off but she kind of rolls with it i didn't love her response um just in the sense that when someone tells you they have erectile dysfunction i don't think you want to say like oh I don't think you're going to have any problem with me. And it's like, <laughs> right. no, no, no. Like what you can say is like, that's fine. Like we'll take it at whatever speed you're comfortable with, or you kind of want to, they're making, you know, they're putting themselves out there to you in this moment. And her just being like, we're not going to face that. I'm so hot. And it's like, yeah. mm, okay. Like, I'm but- Seema from, and just like that. <laughs> yeah. Men Beloved get it. Character. Like, gay men everywhere adore me. So I got to say with regard to, this sex scene, because we get, you know, this moment and then later in the episode, there is something, and this is sort of a more general take, but applicable to this scene, where I feel like as a viewer, I am very much aware of intimacy coordinators, and it comes through so much in scenes like this, where I did not believe for, like, any moment that they were, like, really having a good time in bed together, which I know that that was part of the the plot line, but even before that moment when they're rolling around, and then also like when they're fucking later in the episode, she's fully wearing a slip. And then when she goes to put the vibrator in, it like goes in for a second and then she's just like, it's out. Like in the next scene, she's like holding it up and it's like, you know, like you don't just like pull a vibrator right out. Well, so I saw that a little differently. I don't think she shoved it in. You think think she just began to play with her? the general area okay fair know. but i gotta say like even like between this scene and then carrie's scene later with what do we know his name yeah his name is george george between the scene with carrie and george there's something about obviously we had the first episode i do think with like che and miranda there's an effort to really make the sex scenes sexy um <laughs> yeah. but i just feel like with this moment and several others we've seen on the show of like sex there's just i don't know like i said i feel this way about other shows too and it's interesting because you get a lot of 
I've seen a lot of interviews with actors, especially like legacy actors, complaining about intimacy coordinators, feeling like it's perhaps like an overcorrection. And obviously there was like that very controversial joke in the premiere episode of, uh, not Euphoria, uh, The Idol, same show, of The mm-hmm. Idol, in which like Jocelyn uh, is getting fully naked during this photo shoot and they, they end up locking the intimacy coordinator mm-hmm. in a closet, which like then some intimacy coordinator sounded off on Twitter because she was really mad about that depiction of intimacy coordinators. I feel like at some point, like we'd need a touch base, not you and I, but like we just need like a larger touch base about like, yeah, how do we feel about intimacy coordinators overall? Is this like, is this working on the whole? I'm sure there are many instances in which it has protected actors from uncomfortable situations. Um, But again, for actors that have been working in the industry for a long time, that sort of are able to advocate for themselves. There might be instances where they're like, I got this, like I can, I can handle a sex scene. Yeah, I will say with with a SEMA sex scene, I wasn't thinking about it really, and I'm not looking to SEMA for hyper-realistic sex on TV. That's not something that, you know, I turned this on looking for. Uh-huh. Uh, I did think that regarding Carrie's, well, it wasn't a sex scene, but sort of like a, a, a it's not even a foreplay scene. It's like an in-bed getting there scene, uh, you know, towards the end of the episode. I actually liked because... When she's been showing up, especially now that it's fall, she is wearing 20 layers all all down to the floor, like four flannel button-ups. She is so clothed, it's unreal. And so I did really appreciate that when he gets that FaceTime call from his partner and she's like, she was about to have sex with him, that she is a little disheveled and some of the buttons are undone. Like, I thought they did a good job with, working with Carrie's wardrobe, which does not lend itself to sex scenes, to dishevel it a little. I completely agree. There's like that one shot of her laying on the bed when there's like a triangle of her stomach showing. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is some of the like the best that SJ has looked on and just like that, which is saying something because she looks great so often. Yeah, it is interesting thinking about the Carrie of Anne just like, or excuse me, the Carrie of Sex and the City in comparison from like the fashion perspective, because she's the one like really like sexy moment we've gotten from Carrie is the Norma Kamali blue dress from season one. But the Carrie of Sex and the City like loved showing off her body. I mean, she like some of those outfits, I mean, it was like she was barely wearing clothing. And, you know, one could say like, yeah, I mean, Carrie's at a different place in her life and she just prefers to be more covered up. But I do, I mean, SJ's so beautiful and it's, it's nice to see her body. I look, I for one really love the style that I've seen on Carrie this season. Like, I really like it. All these outfits in this episode, I adored. Yeah, it was fun getting, we got, and we got a lot of them. I, I particularly yeah. loved the look when her and Miranda were at whatever store that was shopping for twin mattresses. I gotta say, like, Miranda, <laughs> get your fucking shit together. Sorry, to, to real quick on this though, it's like, so. I think Cynthia Nixon was so good in this episode. I just think she gave so much nuance. There's a moment later in the episode uh, when Shay's like, I think I need a few days like away from each other. And the way Miranda reacts, I was expecting her to like her face to drop and for her to be like, kind of like tail spinning. And the way Cynthia chooses to play that moment is like, it's giving full acceptance like yeah okay that makes sense like you see her process it for a millisecond and decide not to show it on her face in any way and i just feel like cynthia nixon and 
uh, all these women, to be honest, just like always makes the unexpected decision from like the acting perspective. And I really appreciate that because there's so many times I'm like, oh God, like I know where this is going, me the viewer, but I get a different response from the character. And I, and I, I really appreciate that. But on the whole, just thinking about everything Miranda's gone through this season so far, from the sensory deprivation tank, in this episode you have her walking into the chair in the room. There's just so many, mo- uh, her during Che's taping and the interruption, there's so Wasn't many- was Che walking into the chair? No, they both Che was do. waking Miranda. Oh. I, no, yeah, they both do, because Miranda okay. does at the beginning of the episode. That's the joke, is uh, that they both uh, went into the chair. I just feel like there are so many moments on this show of Miranda looking like an idiot. I mean, think about at the, during the beach cleanup and her getting left at the beach and uh, when she's at the show, uh, Chase comedy show, and she's in the way of everybody. I just feel like it's constantly throwing tomatoes at Miranda. I need, wherever we're going, and I think we're heading towards a Che breakup, wherever we're going, I do feel like I need to see Miranda like start to get it together because like this sad Miranda in this episode, um, I feel like we've like reached the end of the line and I just want to yeah. see like our girl like get her shit together. I just want her to step into her power. Yes. And I think she has to and I think that she needs to start seeing how she has bent herself out of shape f- f- for Che's advantage and like these video game parties that Che's having, which is so obnoxious. Like, that is so obnoxious that you're having 12 people over to play some of the worst video games I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I've the graphics on that were wild. And that everybody's going wild playing this game is insane. And then that Che's going in to, like, interrupt Miranda and is like, why aren't you wearing your headphones, like, or your um, earplugs? It's just, like, wildly inconsiderate it is wildly inconsiderate yes and i couldn't live like that and i don't think miranda should live like that and i'm so glad that she jumped at the chance to move into naya's house (laughs) yeah i was like i'm looking forward question mark to that scene next episode where yeah i don't understand like like, I, I'm not convinced we're going to get that scene. No, I, I am not either. Um, but also, it's like, <laughs> she was a lawyer, and then in season one, episode one, we learned that she's, like, back in school. So she, okay, but she's, and and then, like, if I'm, I'm trying to remember if she was still, I believe she left the practicing law to go back to school, which would make you think, like, she's got enough money saved up to do that, which would make sense because she was a high-powered lawyer on the original show, and if she continued on that path, yeah, she'd have a lot of money. But then it's like, here we are, and she's like shopping in a store for a twin mattress, which, by the way, who goes and like buys a mattress in store in 2023? It was barely a store. I mean, Casper. Is this a place? Is this a place in New York that like we're aware of? No, not not that I'm. It aware really reminds. This is gonna get. This is gonna give like Sean's been to New York one time, but like there's, it, <laughs> I felt like there's a store like this in um, Williamsburg, like on Driggs. Like it was just like a big, kind of like warehouse that was full of shit. I mean, that's every store on Driggs. It was like really big and it like it really, I was like, oh my God, are they at that place? Does that place still exist? Like I haven't seen it since in 10 years. Okay. Anyways, Mm. it's not a real place. I thought maybe they were like nodding to like a real place because like maybe, I don't know, maybe it's the area that she's going to live in or. But again, we're like, 
So she's got the Brooklyn house, but she can't stay there because I guess we're led to believe it's a two-bedroom. But then she's like overnighting at Chase, miserable. Again, she couldn't get a rental or even stay at a hotel near her house. I mean, she certainly has the resources. I guess it's like, and then the shacking up with Naya, it's just, you're Miranda Hobbs, Esquire. Like, I, I think you don't need to be shacking up with Naya. I think we can make better financial yeah. decisions. We can rent anywhere. Yeah. The city is our oyster. And we can go on sealyposterpedic.com. Yes. Also, is the thought process like, so I guess we're saying Naya has a two bedroom because just because she divorced her husband doesn't necessarily like free up space necessarily. Well, didn't she specifically said you can live oh, in it's, like- it's his studio, right? His, yeah. Yeah, it's like, doesn't she need to kind of get the okay from Andre Rashad on that? I feel like that's sort of an overstep like in terms of a promise. Uh. Yeah, well, we don't know where their relationship is at. No, is like, we he, don't know well, is how he they still feel about each other. Making his music with Heidi, Heidi with the hat. Uh, that that's a great question. Also, it's funny to just sort of think about you know threading the needle of this plot line because it's like Andre never cheated on her. He was literally in the hotel room, to, <laughs> for our understanding, recording music with Heidi with the hat, writing songs, yeah. and then their entire marriage dissolved, fell apart. Yeah. Over well, probably like, so she overreacted. Then he got home and was like, you sold all my guitars. Now it's really over. Do you think she sold them on? Craigslist. Is, no, that. uh, well, uh Facebook marketplace. <laughs> no. <laughs> Billy, where did we sell our stuff? Yeah, on the real deal. Oh, on the real deal. Yeah, like, do you think they would take guitars? I don't think, they do think it's, it's mu- just. I don't think they do instruments. All right, well, just, I mean, I don't know. I was just curious. Why? Where did you sell your stuff? I sell my stuff at the real real, but I don't have guitars. Which is what the real deal is based yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is the real real spelled? <laughs> R-E-A-L. Like the real is like real? Real. Yeah. Okay, it's not like the real real, like R E E L. No, it's R E A L. Okay. Real real, one word. I got to tell you, I've had. Pretty positive experiences on the real real. So I've never far. heard of it. But more, my experiences have been more positive on the selling side than the consumer side. But I gotta say, I was there recently, and they had a Loewe bag and a Prada bag at the front of the store. That I was like, wow, these are in fantastic condition. However, okay, sorry. So, so you're you're selling clothes there, or they sell other stuff? No, just clothes. Oh, just clothes. But I'm saying they don't have price tags on the items in store, which. I have a big problem with that. That's like in really general. obnoxious. Yeah. And and even when I go to some luxury stores that like don't include the price tag, I'm not my I'm the kind of shopper where it starts with the price tag, right? Yeah, I don't want to fall in love with something and then no. find out it's not even in the stratosphere of possibility. So I need price tags. Visible. And you're the real real. Like this is a consignment store. Like Yeah, that's psychotic. Yeah. Because then I don't trust you. You're making up a price. Right. Well, this makes me think of, so I also just recently sold some clothes at Buffalo Exchange, which is, it's not a consignment store. It's just simply like, a, you know, a resale. I know that one. Yeah, it's a very yeah. popular one. And they will literally eyeball the item and then just give you a num- like a number. <laughs> and what I like about the real real is they take the product and then they like, you know, check it. I think they call it the authentication process and then give you a number. 
which I appreciate. It might all be BS, but at least in my mind, they're doing right. a little bit of background to like yeah. understand like what was the original cost of this, yeah. how much wear is on it. Whereas there's just instances where it's like this person at Buffalo Exchange has no idea like the value of this, especially when you're bringing like vintage pieces in. It's just strange. And when I went there recently, Billy spotted the other person going on the real real website to look up the cost of the item I was trying to sell. Yeah. What do you mean the other person? Like there's several people behind the counter. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that as I would do that too if I were them. I understand, but like you got to be a little bit more conspicuous. <laughs> Or wait, is it you want to be? I, this is the thing I always get confused. Do you want to? You want to be inconspicuous? Inconspicuous. Excuse you me. You want to be inconspicuous? Right. He There's was so being conspicuous. I'm just I'm browsing the real real. Um, okay. Well, uh, yeah. I'll spend some more time with this later. I I'd never heard of it until the real deal. Didn't know this s- store. Uh, but I, I have this vacuum cleaner I have to sell, and I think I have to list it on Facebook Marketplace. But it's not my vacuum cleaner. I I acquired a vacuum cleaner for free. It was accidentally shipped to my address and I left it in my condo lobby for three months waiting for the rightful owner to come claim it. They never did. And my condo was like, you have to, you have to get like, take this. It's yours. So I looked it up. It's like an $800 vacuum and I don't don't want want it. it. It's like a, it's like a shampooing that it's like for, it's like to shampoo rugs. And and it's like, I've got all these like I've got the stuff to fill it, blah, blah, blah. So it's brand new. It's inbox. I need to list it somewhere and I don't know where to sell it. Well, and Sean, I don't want to put it on Facebook Marketplace because I don't want people to be like, oh, Sean's selling a vacuum on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> okay, well, Sean, we've got a few thousand people listening right now. So if, if anyone <laughs> needs a Bissell, uh, I actually don't need, I think it's a Bissell, whatever. If somebody needs a vacuum cleaner, you know what I'm holding on to it for is like if I'm having a party one day and somebody spills a drink on my rug, I'm going to run down to my storage unit and grab that vacuum cleaner. And it's going to be worth the $800 I could have got for it. You got to do it while everyone's still there, though, just to show oh, off 100%. the fact that, like, yeah, you have this vacuum. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll contact the real real and see if they'll take it, but I don't think they will. Okay. Can we talk about uh, – well, let's, let's get Charlotte out of the way. We'll save the best for last because Rock is modeling. Yeah. Yeah, Rock's yeah, modeling. That's happening. A strange storyline that you think would be given to Lily because the rock that we know so far is like rock is like textbook apathetic teen. So the fact that rock was so enthusiastic about this, I thought the plot would be that um, Charlotte really wants rock to do this and rocks like has no interest whatsoever. Mm. And Charlotte's like being a stage mom and forcing rock to be a part of it. But the problem is it's like rock is super enthusiastic about yeah. becoming a Ralph Lauren model. I definitely, hmm, I think you, it sounds like enjoyed this plot line more than I did. No, I didn't. Oh, <laughs> okay. I just thought like tonally, this one was so strange, both within the episode itself, but also just for and just like that, because it was like trying to like veer into like curb your enthusiasm territory. And then, like, I thought all the actors were sort of, like, operating in a different, like, tone. Um, mm-hmm. It was just very strange. But I think I also just had, a, like, questions around the genesis of the plot, which is that, you know, we're told that Rock was stopped on the street by, I guess, like, a casting scout for Ralph Lauren. And then, like, Harry is so suspect about it. But, like, 
it's pretty easy to like get confirmation. Like once yeah. they got confirmation, that's the part of it that didn't make sense to me. Um, yeah. And then we just kept pushing this plot line along. And then I think where we really jumped the shark, uh, it was having Harry then show up on set. That And we, ask if they're going to put like porn or something. Yeah. And it's pictures. like, there like, is a creepy man roaming around this, the set. Yeah, like, weird, I think we need man. to like call the police. Yeah. I think what would have been fun is if like we took it there and yeah. the police show up and Charlotte has to get Harry out of jail. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like if I'm all for like, I'm willing to go totally absurd. I mean, like that is sort of, yeah, that is the show here. I mean, look at last episode with the jizz stuff, but this one felt a little too like we're ain't, we're going really broad, but like, which, yeah, I don't know. It just, it's it just didn't work. It mattered. And it's like, and that's great for rock that they're having this modeling career. But I want to follow up on Lily's music career. Yes. We can't have two famous kids here. Here's a question. Do you think we will be following up on Lily's music career? Part of me feels like... I'm rioting. If we don't, this podcast goes on strike. I'm also curious, you know, speaking of side characters who sometimes rise to the surface, like with Anthony, right? It's like he's trying to cast someone, trying to find new people for his bread baking business several episodes ago. And then we have this like, I don't know, like e-plot this episode in which you have this moment at the party where Anthony approaches who he thinks is a guy that he recognizes from the steam room, which again, was that what I didn't realize is like, is was that the guy Anthony thought it was? I know. I don't know. I don't know. And you know what? I'd rather not know. Right. I think it's more fun to not know because there was a moment where it was like, wait, he is from the steam room. Uh-huh. But then I it's like, like I, I I don't dislike it either, but it's like, I, I wanted it like then go somewhere with Where that. it fit in the episode. Yeah. That's a different question. But like, I liked the, I left, I liked that we were left not knowing. Right. So it would almost be better if we were left not knowing if this was a legitimate modeling opportunity or not. <laughs> right. So yes, many curiosities, but I am more excited about Charlotte returning to work. But I also just think that like, Thinking about, you know, one of the big comments about this show has just been that, for many people, that there's just too many characters that we're dealing with. I mean, you know, even thinking about Smoke, who was like Carrie's ex-podcast co-host's wife, who was being given a storyline in the premiere episode. And this Mm -hmm. is an example where I like Anthony. I do, I mean, I will admit, I do think Anthony as a character has overstayed his welcome, but I understand having Anthony as a part of the Andrews Like That universe. But I think that, like, there's almost this sort of, like, half measure, which is, like, we're going to give him a side plot, but it's just, like, a one-minute scene tacked into the episode. Yeah. But then... I, like, I wouldn't call it give, a plot. It's not Yeah, exactly. But then we're going to give, like, Harry this, like, whole plot, or yeah. LTW's husband has that follow-up scene with, yeah. when, with the Hamilton wig. Uh... It's just sort of like there's so many characters. I think we need some sharper focus. Look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. These episodes don't need to be 45 minutes long. Yeah, but then part of me is like, yeah, I agree with you. They should be an hour and a half. 
<laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I agree. So that we get, that we get, okay, what happened in the steam room? Yeah. Oh, now he's going to, like, confront him because you shouldn't have said that in front of my wife and da-da-da-da-da. And then, like, Harry uncovers, like, a nefarious plot at the modeling thing. But he's, like, getting apprehended by the police. And he's not the bad guy. They're actually, he, he was right the whole time. But he now he's getting in trouble. Right. Okay, yeah, so. I'm right. Um, yeah, we're spitballing. Yeah, yeah. Another thing I'm thinking about, just because in my mind I'm going back to like the SEMA plot line, I don't really understand the correlation between the penis pump and the vibrator because isn't, so he uses the penis pump and then when they finish, like they're, he's able to get it up and they are able mm-hmm. to have sex. It's just not satisfactory sex for SEMA, but mm-hmm. shouldn't the plot be that like the like he, he's on a, he, because of his ED, he's not able to like stay hard inside of her. And therefore she needs the vibrator to finish. Like I just, or I guess I understand it's like, well, yes, but that's the purpose of the penis pump. He got hard, but I needed a correlation between penis pump and needing to finish herself. Yeah. There's not a direct correlation, but the correlation is that she's made a concession to be like, okay, you can use your device to get yourself ready to get off. And I'm not allowed to use my device to get off. Interesting. Okay, I can vibe. But like, does that even is that satisfying as a story to watch on yeah. TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think so. It's been told a million times. Yeah, maybe not with the penis pump, but the vibrator stuff is like old hat. Right. But I sort of appreciated the comedic beat of like him saying it's not cool, her continuing on him from the yeah, other room, I mean, not cool. Yeah. Now, can, can we, we talk about Carrie? I was just gonna literally Please. took the words out of my mouth. There's so much to say because. The benefit of the SEMA plot is that SEMA apparently is on the phone with Carrie all hours of the day, constantly updating her on her mundane life. And Carrie is so riveted by these conversations that at one point she stops in the middle of the bike lane, which like was great for me because I'm a cyclist and I, I was like, she's stopping in the bike lane. And then, it, and then it all happens. Like I saw it coming, right? I was like, from a cyclist point of view, Carrie's stopping in the bike lane, and that's really inconsiderate. There's that word again. And lo and behold, someone else found it inconsiderate because George comes crashing to the ground, and this whole exchange between them is so funny about how she's so sorry, and she'll take him to urgent care. She's seen one of the Olsen twins going into the urgent care. What were the Olsen twins doing going into urgent care? Did they live around here? Like, all of that stuff was so, so great. So I don't know where they live now. They previously lived on 9th Street in the East Village, which would put them close to 14th Street, but on the east side, and Carrie was on the west side. But wait, 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 wait. So wait, break this down for me. I've been to New York. Okay. The Olsen twins lived in the East Village? Uh, well, one of them. I don't believe they lived together, but one of them lived in the East <laughs> Village, yes. Aren't they contractually obligated to live together? Um, yeah, they, they, they broke rank. Yeah. They were like, we're not doing oh, wow. this. Yeah. One of them did. I don't, I don't That's know where they live from now. them anymore. Yeah. They were like, it's the end. <laughs> um, but yeah, I too, I really enjoyed the scene. I liked, as I said earlier, it's like, I liked the fact that like George had some character to him as opposed to the podcast dude who was just like, I'm here for the ad copy. Um, so then we get to his apartment. Well, like, well, first we go to urgent care where Carrie is like carrying, yeah. In both senses of the word, um, <laughs> which is really, really fun. Um, then later, she also bringing- has this, she also has this comment with Seema on the phone where she says, I don't want to be sued. I'm Googleable, which I thought was notable because we're sort of investigating how famous Carrie is. Oh, wait. Speaking of which, 
there is an article that came out uh, in Slate, which I highly recommend people read. Uh, the article is titled, How Famous Is Carrie Bradshaw Supposed to Be? It's a really oh interesting- God, Our it's, impact. Yeah. It, well, no, no. I think this is a conversation that many <laughs> yeah, people no, have had for, yeah, for a long time. But I like the sort of like analytical approach to a question like that. Um, yeah. So yes, definitely highly recommend that. But so we get out of urgent care. We wind up at his apartment. So as people might know, Cynthia Nixon directed this episode. And I feel like- I didn't like, know that. Okay. Whoa. So I feel like Cynthia Nixon was sort of like watched Clockwork Orange or something before (laughs) stepping in to direct the episode and was like, I want to make some really capital C choices. And so first we get like the apartment reveal, which is not like, I mean, yes, it is a crazy apartment, but like it's in service of the plot, which is that like he's developed these three apps and he's working on the fourth one. He doesn't have his wrists, so Carrie's going to help out with that. And then we get, is this the co-creator of the app? Is that who the dude is? Uh, yeah, it's his business partner. Okay, so he comes in and interrupts their first kiss. And then we later pick up where they're back in bed. And this is what sort of the disillusion of this romance is the fact that he's too invested in his business. Mm-hmm. I feel like... That like is not. I a, think he's just yeah. Just, Carrie just thinks he works too much, which is rich coming from Carrie. Right. Carrie doesn't have to work because she's rich. I, yeah. Reason. I also feel like not a total deal breaker because it wasn't as Literally. though they were just like yeah. I mean, granted, like I would I would definitely like ding him for what he did, but I don't think it was like wild. I felt like yeah. it needed to be a little bit more absurd. And also mm-hmm. from Carrie's perspective, I'd be like, okay, I'm not gonna date this guy, but like they never even fucked. So I would have been like, okay. You know, because she was having her Thursday sex before. Now, mm-hmm. you know, she's closed up shop for this last few episodes. It's like, here's a really hot tree trunk of a man. Let's get it in. It's just like, I would understand if they were in the throes yeah. of intercourse and he took a FaceTime call. Which, like, okay, I, like, granted, to, to, in Carrie's credit, he doesn't need to be FaceTiming. He'd be like, can we take this as a regular call? Like, I know this is important. But also, he has explained to Carrie the importance of what's happening. There's some, there's deadlines. This is timely. They are trying to close a sale. Like, I, like you know, Carrie has to have some give here on, like, okay, at, at least this guy has a job and cares about his job. Like, if, imagine, I don't think she would like it very much if he didn't have a job. So I don't know what she's looking for here. She could be like, look, we're about to have sex. Can you not take a FaceTime call from your partner? But like, nope, it's just like, that's it. He, like, I'm over. I'm out of here. And this very much felt like it was dipping in the pond of Sex in the City. I mean, people might remember there's an episode of Sex in the City titled The Freak Show, which literally is centered around Carrie going on multiple dates with these guys who seem normal and turn out to be, you guessed it, freaks. And obviously this is something we've seen throughout the show. I mean, I think about that famous Justin Thoreau episode from season two where it's like she thinks she meets the perfect man, but it turns out he's a total wuss and a mommy's boy. Or uh, when Charlotte finds the perfect man in the form of, is it Dan Futterman? Is that something? Dan. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's something. In the form, who doesn't have social media, by the way. Uh, in the form of Dan Futterman, but it turns out he is a little too effeminate, which, by the way, is a plot line worth talking about in 2023, but conversation for another day. But this is to say, like, we've, we've done the antics before of, like, this guy seems great, but as it turns out, when you peel a layer, I felt like I just needed, because this is such an absurd, like, we're going for absurd here, I feel like it just needed, like you said, like, it needed, mm -hmm. like, they were in the throes of intercourse and he answers the phone. Luckily, because SJ is such an adept physical comedian, actress, I don't know, savant, um, I think she was able to take the premise, which didn't quite work, and make it work through that lovely display of Commedia dell'arte that was her exiting the bedroom. Yes, getting out of slinking out of yeah, the bed but so as not to be seen on FaceTime. Right. So I was going to say but, but I'm going to yes and, yes and. So then we're in what we think is like a landing, and this is when we get the Kubrick, where Cynthia Nixon, or in, in collaboration with the DP, decides this is going to be a really long shot that's going to slowly zoom out to reveal a landing in between the second floor landing and the floor. And so, and then it's gonna to continue to zoom out so it reveals the full apartment and basically the idea is that like Carrie, the, apart the apartment is so big and we just keep hearing his voice and Carrie can't find him because he's working. And so she's going to just break uh -huh. it off from the landing. But she's just like hanging out on the landing as opposed to just being like following the voice. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think it's that big. The apartment's big, but it's a big cavernous space. But do you? And I feel like. Yeah. I, yeah. But I, you, I, under, you, I hear you. you thought the shot, like the shot was like. In their mind, I could see like the storyboard where it's like, it's going to be this epic shot where like Carrie is sort of like, you know, on the Juliet balcony that exists within this apartment uh -huh. um, and going to be like struggling to find the voice. But it was just like, Carrie, like just, you know, head out. He's in the kitchen. He's, he's in just the kitchen. Over there. Yeah. He's because carving pumpkins like, with Miranda. It's Miranda. a big cavernous space. And yes, there's a stair. It's a, it's a loft. It's yeah. literally a loft. Yeah. Right? So there is a staircase up to the bedroom. And there might be an office up there. And then down underneath it, there's a bathroom and a kitchen. Right. Like there's nothing else there. Right. There can't be anything else there. And again, I'm just and sort of so. like, again, yes, workaholic, sure. Um, it just wasn't enough of a red flag for me to like dump him. No. And I don't think at any point we acknowledged how hot he was. What I think was missing from this episode was a brunch scene with a debrief with all the girlies to be like, what's everyone up to? And which we can sort of talk, like Naya can give an update on the one night stand at the Mondrian and LTW can be like, I fucked my husband in a powdered wig. And like, that was weird, but I kind of liked yeah. it. Like there was an opportunity yeah. for Carrie to be like, I'm with this guy. He's oh, and, and Anthony, Anthony can be like, oh, you'll never believe like, what happened with this guy from the yep, sauna. Absolutely. And we can find out like Carrie, she can, fill in the girls on what happened and give an analysis of like, I've, I have not been with a man this hot since, well, several Thursdays yeah. ago, but um, we didn't get that. So, well, yeah. we couldn't, we couldn't have the brunch scene this week because we were very busy promoing the Americans. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Do you think Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese watch and just like that and are aware of this reference? I think they are certainly aware of this. At this point, um, do they watch it? I could flip a coin. Mm -hmm. And this week's And Just Like That, I find very interesting given Carrie's uh, reprehensible behavior, in my opinion, in this episode, in the way that she just breaks it off for no reason. 
Shay says, and just like that, George and I are over, but at least I got back up on the bike. Carrie, you didn't get back up on the bike. Yes. That's the whole thing. You left before you could. It would have been better if like, she was like, okay, this is fucked up. Hang up this phone call. Let's have sex. And guess what? I'm never seeing you again. Absolutely. That's our That girl. would be getting back on the Absolutely. bike. Absolutely. Take that bike for a ride. Yes. Straight to urgent care. taxi 14th street um so before we we close things out though like i do think we have to touch down on che oh my gosh yes the che pasa so okay i think this is like so fascinating and deserves its own you know podcast episode but basically the obviously there was this huge response to the character of Che from fans last mm-hmm. season. You could call Che polarizing, but I actually don't think Che was polarizing so much as just pretty universally loathed by the fandom. Mm-hmm. And then I remember when I was talking to Michael Patrick King, and this is actually there's a quote about this in my interview with him in British Vogue, in which he says that like people thought that we were going to back up the car, and instead he's like, no, 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 we're going to go full steam ahead, then back it up and roll back over, which is like a very, what I've come to understand is very Michael Patrick Kingian, which is that like, you don't like this thing, I'm going to do it again and then again. Um, And so when you got- in which case, I love SEMA. If Michael Patrick King, if you're listening, I love SEMA. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wait. Um, But in this instance, I feel like- I can see the writer's room saying, wouldn't it be really clever if we created a premise that gives voice to the response to Che and funnels it that the response is about the character that Che is embodying, but wouldn't you know it, Che is playing a version of themselves on the show within the show, so what they're Mm -hmm. really commenting on it as Che. And I have seen people in my comment section that are like identifying this and being like, and thinking that like they... Like, they've caught on to, like, something that wasn't made very obvious. I just feel like this was... was, that was me taking my notes. It's like, wow, meta. Yeah, I think this was a little (laughs) on the nose, and I think it was... I I, I felt an air of self-satisfaction from the writers and thinking, like, no, we're in on the joke, which, like, my... The thing that I will, like, hold on to is, like, I don't think that... Che is understood, The excuse me, I should say, I don't think the response to Che is fully understood by the writers or the actors on this show. I don't necessarily think it needs to be, but I do think that this attempt to say we're in on it didn't quite land for me. Um, and yet I am seeing people in the comment section being like, this was the first time that I really felt, you know, compassion for the characters. So in that in that sense, if this was the effort, then, you know, they nailed it. Maybe it worked. They being the writers, not they being Che. Um, but I felt like that scene uh, between Miranda and the che, che at the end, I was trying to understand where we, the audience, were meant to net out on it because what Che is saying there is is real, right? Like they have spent their entire life trying to figure out who they are and then by proxy their art. And then they finally, you know, find this success and then everyone's like, you suck, tomatoes, tomatoes. So that would be difficult to feel. And yet we, the audience, like Miranda's our girl. So if you hurt, like, if you hurt Miranda, yeah. you hurt us and you're doing something that's hurting Miranda. Now I understand like there doesn't always have to be a good guy and a bad or a good day and a bad day, but um, I it just tricky with, in terms of where we go from here. And then also just wondering, like, as I said earlier, is this 
Or have we reached the end of the line with Che? I'm feeling like maybe we have. I just don't because know. not only is the audience given voice in this focus group and Che is kicked, but then unlike what you would expect, where then Che's upset and depressed, which they are, um, we don't sympathize with them because they treat Miranda like absolute shit and have been all season long. And so it's like we we actually feel less sympathy for Che than ever. Uh, and and like in some ways, we are glad that they heard what they heard in the focus group because that's how we felt watching the show get made, Che Passa, and how we feel watching Che interact with Miranda The other part of it, and like, again, I think I'm digging under the hood a little bit here, but I feel like if you're, how old did Che say they were in this episode? 45 or something? I missed it. If you're a non-binary comedian with Netflix specials, so like, you know, a a great deal of success, I can't imagine this is the first time they've ever contended with criticism in their life. Like, that's Mm. the part of it that's difficult for me that... And I understand, like, maybe that's the point, which is that, like, for the first time, Che is understanding or, like, listening to the voices of dissent. But I just feel like they've, they're have they a stand-up comedian with Netflix, Netflix specials and access to the internet. Like, haters gonna hate. And I would feel like there would be some degree of Teflon. And again, well, maybe what they're saying is, like, yes, there is Teflon, but when it really comes, when push comes to shove, like that Teflon dissolves or whatever Teflon would do. But I feel like they've like gone so in the other direction with Che from like, you know, we got them crying a few episodes ago and their insecurities about their stomach and in the, I think it was the first or second episode. Mm -hmm. I feel like they've like suddenly filled in Che with so many insecurities and so much vulnerability that I'm sort of left being like, that's not Che. That's just my, yeah. So I I wasn't quite sure how to feel about the scene with Che and then also not sure what the writers wanted me to think about that scene with Che. But all I felt was bad for my girl Miranda, but also for my girl Miranda, I'm like, everything about your life, like Iyanla, <laughs> I can talk. Iyanla needs to come in and fix Miranda's life because it's like in all areas, I just feel like she's needs to like get it together. And I'm talking from relationship to parenting to mattress purchasing. Like all the elements are not working out for her yet. Sorry, who needs to step into Miranda's life? Iyanla Van Zant. Who's that? Well, Iyanla was an ancillary character on the Oprah Winfrey show uh, during the 90s and 2000s, but also has the own series, Iyanla Van Zant Fix My Life. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah. Didn't know that. You've probably seen viral clips. Maybe. Maybe so. So I feel like our most famous Ayanna Van Zant gif would probably be uh, the Not On My Watch one. Are you familiar? <laughs> I don't Not that I'm okay. aware of. <laughs> She's a thing. We'll take this offline. Yeah. I just, um, I just had this long road trip, and I... <laughs> I listened to an audiobook I thought I would never listen to, and it was... Speaking of Oprah Winfrey, people, eat, pray, love. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I had a really good reason. Like, I've got, I have have my justifications. It's not something I would ever listen to. I listen to it more as, like, an anthropological, like, study of those kinds of books. Okay, so I'll add a new Oprah character to my 
roster. Well, so like, wait, let's like name. So it's like, obviously it's like Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, Yanla, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Burkus. Gilbert, Nate Burkus, uh, James Frey or Fry. Yes. Um, but I think he got cut, no? Well, they're all somewhat. But I mean, they're a lot all going to be forever associated with Oprah. Nate Burkus is a good one. Are we, are we missing Nate any Burkus, other? Nate I used to think was like my soulmate. I had yeah, he was, the number one crush in the entire world on Nate Burkus. Yeah, I think it was a combination of like the good looks and this, and this is my internalized homophobia or femphobia coming out, but I think it was like the idea that like there were so many Jack from Will and Grace or Carson Kressley's like in the universe. And I feel like Nate Burkus was just like a very like. It's kind of heteronormative. Yeah, which it's like in retrospect, it's like. I mean, like that's why he my, was an Oprah person. Yeah. He was like a gay person for straight people. Exactly. They're all about Oh, he's gorgeous. I just looked him up again. Yeah, you know what? Like, I could see myself with Nate Burkus. Now or then? Oh my god, is this Twink, his husband? Yes. Oh my god, I just made a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) I just Googled something I should have. Regarding Nate Burkus. There's nothing. No, I don't don't want to encourage people to Google it. (laughs) Just never mind. Just change the subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, if you're a gay man talking about a male celebrity, there's something that you often do when you when you when you're talking about them and you Google something. But no, what came up when I Googled is not something that he did that's salacious. It's something the internet does to people when there isn't something salacious. Uh, you got yes, me? Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. Why is my safe search on? Mine's on too. What the Why? fuck? Why? It was his number Got a life, Google. All right. Anything else to say about trick or treat? I mean, the only thing I'd say is like, I think we're, we remain cooking with gas. Like I yeah. am loving this show in a more genuine way and less for a long time. My love of it had like a subversive quality to it. And I just feel like now I'm like outright loving this show and I love checking in with my girlies and I'm excited to see where we go. I feel like in our scenes for next week, we got, I don't very see those. I never see those. Sorry, girl. What do we got? Tell me. Give me a, In give our me scenes a for next week, hand. we have a lunch with Naya, Miranda, Charlotte, and Carrie, in which Naya asks the question, who is Aiden? And so I believe next week will be the beginnings of the plot the that Aiden, we've Aiden, all Aiden been promised. It's upon us. What's interesting is the first seven episodes were sent out to critics. Um, and so next week is six. And then the curiosity is, did they give critics Aiden's entrance episode and then cut it off? Does he show up at the end? Because I'm assuming he's not going to be in the next episode. Because we didn't. He like, has to yeah. be in the episode if they're talking. No, about I him. think it's just. I think it's a what's Aiden up to? Maybe I think communication might start next episode. Mm. But then it's like, does he show up in seven? Does he show up at the end of seven? I'm assuming seven is our Aiden episode. I don't know the answer. You think he's that big of a deal that they're basing what they give Chris? Sean, I think the reason there's a season two is because of Aiden coming back. Well, it's getting a little late. Like, bring him on. <laughs> bring back our boy. Well, looking forward to meeting Aiden. The emoji. For the emoji to my put on. Cap. Now, people have been getting confused, and it's understandable. It is understandable because I'm not giving clear direction. The emoji does not go on a random drop your buffs post. It doesn't go on the Survivor Panama post. It goes on at Evan Ross Katz's meme re- er, <laughs> meme cap. Thank you. Carousel post. It's kind of catching on. This week's episode of And Just Like That, which is already up. Yes, it is Great up. Job I, I know what the meme is. Do you know what the meme is? 
What do, the emoji, you mean? Excuse me, the emoji, yes. Uh, do I know what the emoji is? Is it something about cycling? Is there like a broken arm emoji? Mm, you were almost there. Cycling? Mm-hmm. A bike? A cyclist? You, you got it, you got it. That's is it a well, bike? Is it a cyclist? I think we do a bike because I think the cyclist would be if there was interaction, like if, if a cyclist had hit, I think it's just, to me, it's about the bike. Just the bike. Yeah. I like that. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And you can find us at, at Drop Your Buffs Pod on Instagram. See you next week for maybe a little Aiden, maybe not. Bum, 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 bum.